in the book of 1 Samuel, and 1 Samuel chapter number 30. 1 Samuel chapter number 30, and, and the title of, uh, of the message tonight is Ziklag, a miracle or a mess? Ziklag, a miracle or a mess? I'll never forget, uh, Brother... Uh, I was actually reading this. I thought of uh, Brother Daryl Cox, and uh, Brother Daryl Cox uh, preaches a sermon, and actually leading up, uh, we're going to look uh, at the story in just a moment, but leading up to this, uh, the, uh, the king, uh, uh, the king of Israel, King Saul, is chasing after David, and David makes this statement. He said, he said you know, are you, uh, are, you're chasing after a flea, and then, so Brother Cox has a sermon entitled, When Kings Chase Fleas. And uh, Preacher Cox is just about as, uh, as enjoyable to listen to and has just a, uh, just a, a country, you know, demeanor about him and uh, just, so, just so enjoyable. But I've heard him say this on many occasions. I, I had the privilege of going to Trinity Baptist Academy, which he superintended, uh, you know, the high school there when I was in my junior and senior year. And he said about big days and about big events and, and special things, you know, where there'd be a ton of people get saved on a big day and they'd have, you know, just huge attendances. He said, sometimes, brother, he said, if you're in the midst of it, you don't know whether it's a miracle or a mess. And, uh, and so that's, when I read the story of Ziklag, that's, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm scratching my head. Is this, Lord, is this, is this miraculous or is this a mess? And I want to start out just uh, before we read the text here. I, I want us to think, and sometimes, you know, we, we, when we think of Scripture, we think of, uh, you know, we, we think of a story and, and we kind of distance it. But the awesome thing about the Word of God is it's eternal and it transcends, it transcends time. And, uh, and so, but I want you to imagine, uh, with me just for a moment, imagine getting off work, you hop in your car and you're just waiting, you know, for when you get home and when you can kick back in the lounge chair, you know, maybe, you know, hit the remote and play a little, you know, maybe if there's some type of, some type of sports or something on TV and, uh, you're looking forward, uh, uh, to the Braves playing, amen, brother Greg. And, uh, so you're just, you're looking forward to, to seeing, you know, seeing a, a game or something then, uh, but then as you get closer to your house, and uh, now, obviously, you, you know, the sun's, sun's starting to set maybe a little bit, and you, you get closer to your house, you start to hear the sounds of sirens. And then as you get closer, you realize that's your neighborhood, and then you get there, and it's all coned off, and now they have caution tape, and so you can't get in, and, and you pull up, and the officer says, I'm sorry, sir, you can't, uh, you know, you, can't, you can't go in. And you look down the street, and you see your house, and your house is, is completely up in smoke and on fire. So I want you to think about how you would, how would you respond to that? Well, David, he finds himself in this situation. I want us to look at, uh, at 1 Samuel chapter number 30. And if you look at verse number 1, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 1, it says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had, had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken women captives and that were therein, and slew not any. Uh, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away, and went on their way. So that's our text, and we're going to come back there in just a moment. But I want you to look at the first time we find Ziklag here and in, in, uh, in Scripture. And if you'll turn back to chapter twenty-seven, so we'll stay in First Samuel, but we'll look back at chapter twenty-seven. And right here, uh, actually the ending, uh, ending of chapter number 26, 
Um, David had just uh, had just encountered Saul, and uh, if you look at uh, chapter twenty six, verse twenty two, it says, "And David answered and said, Behold the king's spear, and let one of the young men come over and fetch it. The Lord rendered to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness, for the Lord delivered thee into my hand today, but I would not stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. And behold, as thy life was much set by this day in mine eyes, so let the life." Uh, my life be much set by in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things, and also thou uh, shalt still prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned into his palace. So Saul had been chasing, as you know the story, Saul had become just incredibly uh, jealous of David. There had even been times in private where Saul tried to pin him to the wall uh, with his own, with his uh, with his javelin. There had been times that he had tried to trick David and uh, sneak in there and have his men kill him. And uh, and they had, there had been times that even where he had talked to his own son about eliminating David. And uh, and so David is here. He's facing this situation. Saul's been chasing him. And then if you look at chapter twenty-seven and verse number one, it says, "And David said in his heart." I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me to see me any more to seek me any more in the coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. Verse number two And David arose and passed over with six hundred men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Moak, king of Gath. And David dwelt with Achish at Gath. He and his men, every man with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the Carmelitess, uh, Nabal's, uh, Nabal's wife. And let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much, Lord, for loving us. And God, I pray that you would please, uh, Lord, just uh, fill me with thy spirit just now. Help me, Lord, as I, uh, Lord, just give the message, Lord, I believe that you've laid on my heart and that you have for us tonight. And I pray that you would uh, please, uh, Lord, just help us, Lord, just take the truths, Lord, that we, that we see here in this story and help us, Lord, just to apply them to our lives. And I pray that you just bless in a way that only you can. Lord, we love you and we thank you for being our God. Lord, just please uh, bless uh, those that are on uh, the Honduras trip. And I pray that you would just anoint them and continue to use them mightily, that souls would be saved. And I pray that you would, uh, Lord, meet with us here just now. In Jesus' name, amen. And it says here that David arose and he, uh, and he passed over with his 600 men. And it says, and David dwelt with Achish uh, in, at Gath. So David thought that dwelling in enemy territory was safer than dwelling at home in Israel. It got to a point where Saul had just, had just been chasing him and, and God had miraculously you know, protected him. Uh, when, when David was, uh, was just a young man, a teenager, as many of you know the story, uh, Samuel goes and anoints him uh, to be the king of Israel, takes that horn of, of oil and anoints David. And David is the anointed one. He is the one that will be king. But David, even when Saul, you know, Saul just, uh, uh, Saul started out so strong. He was humble and he started out well. And he was, he, he started, uh, started out, uh, you know, even, even the story of Jabesh Gilead and the men there that were in trouble and he, and he delivers them. But then Saul started thinking that, he didn't need God anymore and that he, he knew better than God and God would give him instructions and he would, he would partially obey, but he would kind of do his own thing. 
And, uh, and, so, uh, and then as David come, came on the scene, obviously he slays Goliath. And then he goes out in every battle. You know, the Bible says that David behaved himself more wisely. And he behaved himself more wisely than even the servants of Saul. And, and Saul exalts him. Until one day, they, uh, the ladies start singing. And they start singing about how Saul has slain his thousands. But David, his tens of thousands. And when they said that, Saul started to get very, very jealous and tried to kill David on numerous occasions. And yet David would not lift up his hand against the Lord's anointed. And he would not take the throne by blood. And so here we find David, that he's just, he's honestly just, just came to a place in his life. And in verse number one there, he said, he said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than I should speedily escape unto the land of the Philistines. And he went to Gath. And that was the place, if you remember, Goliath was from. There are five major Philistine uh, cities. And Gath was one of, the, uh, one of those major cities. That's where, Gath, uh, that's where Goliath uh, was from. And he felt more comfortable. He felt safer in Gath than he did in Israel at this time in his life. And this just gives you background of what all David has faced and what all he's gone through and what, he's, what, he's, what, he's, uh, what the Lord uh, has, has chosen for David's life. And then we find in verse, uh, in, in chapter, number, uh, chapter number 27, and we look down in verse number 5 there, it says, And David uh, said to Achish, If I have now found grace in thine eyes, let, uh, let them give me a, p- a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Wherefore Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah, Unto this day, and that time David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. So he found grace in the eyes of Achish, and uh, and so there was another time, if you remember, where David went. Uh, David went to Gath initially, and the Bible says that he came to Achish, uh, uh, you know, the king of Gath. Well, Achish is actually a title, just like the word Pharaoh is a title for a ruler in Egypt. Achish is a title for a king. Of, uh, of, of the Philistines. And so I honestly, so I believe that this actually is a different Achish that he went to in chapter 21 because the Bible says when he went there for the first time, if you remember, that uh, the servants brought him before King Achish and David knew he was in trouble and that's when he started. Uh, he, he was, you know, uh, he, I'm sure he, he prayed about it, but God gave him wisdom. That's when he started, you know, drooling out the side of his mouth and the Bible said the spittle ran down his beard and he started, you know, twitching and getting that crazy look in his eye and, uh, you know, coming at the king. He said, ah! Get this crazy man out of my out of my presence. Well, I, th- I think this is probably his son, and th- that king's son, because the Bible says uh, specifically there that it mentions him being the son of uh, uh, of Moak there. And so I believe this is this is probably his son rather than the same man that, that he initially ran into. But uh, but either way, he comes back there with six hundred men. Achish, he finds grace in the sight of Achish. He gives him he gives him this town or this city. Of Ziklag, and so David moves moves to Ziklag, and I, I doubt, you know, when David was, you know, whatever, a teenager, seventeen years old, I doubt that he ever thought he would be living, you know, in in the uh, the land of the Philistines. I doubt he ever thought that he would he would be in a situation like that. But here's where he where he finds himself, and sometimes in our life, we find ourselves in situations we never we never thought we'd be in. We never, we never dreamed that, uh, that this would happen or we'd have to, we'd have to deal with, uh, with this. But here he finds himself in Ziklag. And all throughout there, here's, here's David. He's living in, in uh, enemy territory now. 
But I want you to look at verse number 8. It says, And David and his men went up and invaded the Geshurites and the Gezrites and the Amalekites. For those nations were of old the inhabitants of the land, as thou goest to Shur, even into the land of Egypt. And David smote the land and left neither man nor woman alive and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the camels and the apparel and returned and came to Achish. And Achish said, Whither have you made a road today? And David said, Against the south of Judah and against the south of the uh, Jeremelites and against the south of the Kenites. So, so Achish, so, he, so he's reporting uh, to the king, the king of Gath there. He's reporting to him. And, uh, and so he's actually fighting the enemies of God's people, but he's killing everybody so nobody can report back to the king that that's what he's doing. And he's telling the king, oh, yeah, you know, I've just been spoiling, you know, uh, I've been spoiling, the, uh, you know, Judah and, and Israel. And, uh, and, and so Achish, in his mind and heart, and you'll find in verse number 12 there, it says, it says, And Achish believed David, saying, He hath made his people Israel utterly to abhor him. Therefore he shall be my servant forever. And so Achish, Achish uh, is, is convinced that David is on his side, even though David is wreaking havoc uh, among the enemies of God's people. But, but Achish is convinced that he's on his side. And then in chapter 28, it gets a little sticky. It gets a little hairy. And, this, and tonight is just a, uh, just a Bible story, so we're going to just go through, go through this story. And, uh, but, but imagine with me that here you are, and, and da- imagine yourself in David's position. And here you are, you know your family lives in Israel. And you know that obviously that's who God has anointed you. You're going to be the king of Israel one day, and I'm sure he's probably doubting that probably at this time. But here comes the king of uh, uh, here comes Achish and says to him, David, we're going to go uh, we're going to go to battle. And he said, I want you and all your men, those 600 men that came in with you, I want those men to come uh, to come with me to battle, and we're going to go and we're going to fight against Saul and against Israel. And David. He's he's in a uh, he's in a uh, you know a very very unique uh, a unique uh, spot a unique position. I remember as a as a kid, I remember the, uh, reading the stories of Daniel Boone, and at one time he was you know captured by these Indians, and they said that you know they were and they were going to kill him, and he had to play it cool, and and uh, and so. But this is where David was. He said he has to he has to play it. Uh, he can't he can't let him see him sweat, if you will. And then I want you to look at uh, verse number two and how he responds to Achish saying, "Hey, you're going to battle with me." And David said to Achish, surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. After all, I, I killed a giant. I, I've, 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 I've killed you know, tens of thousands. And Achish said to David, therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. This is how much he trusted him. So David played it cool. And, uh, and as Achish was, uh, was, was saying, hey, you're going to come to battle with me. David's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I'm sure in his mind, He's like, his mind is just racing. What in the world have I got myself into? What am I going to do when I get there? And, uh, and maybe in his mind, maybe he was. So the, the, uh, the, the lords of the Philistines, when they finally got there, the lords of the Philistines, uh, they, they questioned this event. And they said, they looked at Achish. So they, they were all right there on the, on the front line, ready, ready for the battle. And the Bible says that Achish and David came up as the rear ward. So they came up behind. And then the lords of the Philistines look back, see at David and his 600, and they have a private conference with Achish and say, hey, look, why is, why is, we know who that is, that's David, why is he here? And then Achish says, oh, yeah, well, he's, he's on our side now. And they said, yeah, and about the time we get to fighting with Saul and his men, that's when David's going to turn on us and kill all of us, and then he's going to, you know, restore himself into his, his master. 
And then so Achish kind of sheepishly goes back to David and says, David, you know, you know, I just you know, said that you're going to be you know, right here with me, but you know, the lords of the Philistines, they don't, they don't want you to come, so you can head on back home. And I'm sure David at that moment was like, you know, but he's, he's like, oh, no, why, why won't they let me fight? And uh, so he's playing it off. He's playing it real smooth. And, uh, and yet he goes, he travels back home uh, to Ziklag. Now, in between that story where I told you where, uh, where Achish invited him to go to the battle and where he sends him home, in between that story is the, is the story when Saul goes to the witch at Endor. And so Saul who is increasingly getting worse and worse. Saul has already tried to kill David. He's already had uh, just scores of priests killed out of his, just out of his jealousy for David. He just, he's completely disobeyed God, and now he's going to the witch at Endor and, uh, and, and going there and trying to raise up Samuel from the dead because God is not answering him, not answering his prayers. And so that was kind of the in-between there. And then David gets uh, uh, those Philistine lords disapprove of David being there, and David travels back home to Ziklag. David travels back home to Ziklag. And if you look at First uh, Samuel chapter twenty-nine, we'll see we'll see the story here in verse number one. First Samuel twenty-nine and verse number one. Now the Philistines gathered together all their armies to Aphek, and the Israelites pitched by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And uh, then it tells the story uh, of of how the the Philistines Lord said. Uh, you know, that, that they're going to turn on him. So verse number six, Achish calls David. And then uh, verse number eight in, in chapter 29, and David said unto Achish, but what have I done? And what, ha, uh, and what hast thou found in thy servants so long as I have been with thee in this day, that I may not go fight against the enemies of my Lord, the king. And Achish answered and said to David, I know that thou art good in my sight as an angel of God, notwithstanding the princes of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to the battle. Verse number 11, so David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning to return into the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. And like I said, I'm sure David just, just wiped his wiped his brow like, man, that was a close call. Early the next morning, they start heading back. There's a three-day journey back to Ziklag. And so on this journey, I'm sure David, in my mind, I have this all, I have this all envisioned. So as I try to portray what's in my mind, <laughs> I'll try to do that now. But so I, I picture David on the road back and man, David's excited. His wife's there, all these men there, you know, their, their families are there. I'm sure just a few days ago, they were at the campfire, you know, in Ziklag. They probably had a big bonfire out there. And, uh, and the mamas are, are, are telling the daddies to stop telling, you know, scary stories as the kids, you know, they won't go to sleep that night. And, uh, and then one of them finally says, hey, David, or one of the boys, you know, he, he says, hey, David, can you tell us, can you tell us about the time the bear came? You know, it's dark. The campfire is out there. You know, I was talking to Brother Tim uh, earlier about uh, where Brother Tim went. Where did Brother Tim go? Oh, there you go. He left. He wanted to hear me preach. And uh, so I remember telling him, you know, about junior camp, you know, and, and one of the funny, uh, one of the fun things, you know, about junior camp is, is uh, undoubtedly one of the kids will get started, you know, some kind of, you know, like some kind of rumor or some kind of, you know, scary story about something haunting, you know, the campground. And so I'm sure they enjoyed all that. And as, as many of you go camping, that's one of the fun things about it. But I, th- I see them sitting around the campfire there and just having a good time laughing. And then that boy asked David about when the bear. And so I see David being, you know, super animated and, you know, making it as extreme and awesome as it possibly can be. How about how this bear came out of the 
woods, and he stood up on his hind legs, and he was every bit of 10 feet tall, and his claws were out, and his big fangs were, and he was like, oh, about to kill a sheep, and how David ran and tackled him and speared him, slammed him to the ground, crushed his head in, and then uh, I tell someone about the lion, then he tells a story about the lion and how he's, you know, tackled the lion, and I'm sure David's remembering what they enjoyed just a few days ago. And that's what he's anticipating. That's what he's looking forward to when he gets home and getting to see those, getting to see those families, getting to see those kids, getting to be with those that they all love. And then in chapter number 30, they come to Ziklag. And it came to pass in verse number 1, and it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken women captives that were therein, and slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Was Ziklag a miracle, or was it a mess? This was the place that, that he had found some reprieve from, you know, from King Saul, who, had, who was chasing him. But now he comes back, and everything is gone. He sees the city up in smoke. He sees all, of, all, the, all, their, uh, all the families have been, have been taken. All the, all the women, all the children are gone. Was Ziklag a miracle or a mess? The answer is found in the response. It would have been a mess had David responded incorrectly. Let's continue reading this story, verse number four. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. Listen to this. Until they had no more power to weep. Until they had no more power. I've wept in my life, but I don't think I've ever, I've ever been at that level of weeping to where I had no more power to weep. I think Dr. Tom Williams, a uh, preacher, was sharing this story in staff meeting. Dr. Williams was telling, he was telling somebody a story about where, uh, where only a handful of times in his life had he just sobbed and wept uncontrollably where he, where he was like this. He had no more power to weep. And it was a time where he went to a leper, uh, he went to a, a, a leper colony. And, and, it was, uh, and it was the time... So leprosy, the interesting thing, and this is, you know, obviously more, more modern day, just, you know, a few decades ago that he went to this leper colony. And he said that leprosy is contagious. Like the longer you're exposed to it, uh, the more apt you are to get it. And so it's not necessarily you don't, you know, just accidentally touch somebody and then you, and then you get it. But, uh, but, but little children, when they get to the age, I think it's like four or five, he said that's when, that's when they have to be taken from their parents or else they'll contract, they'll contract leprosy. And he said, I watched as, he said, I watched as these little children were separated from their moms. You know, four, four or five-year-old, um, you know, kids that had to be separated from their mom, from their parents. And he said, that's when I wept. He said, I wept uncontrollably. I wept and I had no more power to weep. This is where these men were. They, were, they didn't see their children. They didn't see their wives. Every possession they owned was now gone. In verse number five, 
And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. And I, I would be distressed too in that situation. For the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. And you know, that's the natural thing. People will naturally blame the leader. David, this is your fault. If you wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have taken us out, this is, this is all. And you know, we have to be very, very careful about how we respond. If David would have responded incorrectly, he could have responded a couple of different ways. He could have, he could have responded by blaming others. That's what his, that's what his men hit, did here. These were, now these were the men that he found. When he found them, they were in distress. They were in debt. They were fugitives. And he was the one that ministered to them and he encouraged them. But now when, they have, when they're facing this trial, now the natural thing is for them to cast blame. And David could have cast blame because he said, well, this is Saul's fault. If Saul would have just killed the Amalekites, we wouldn't have, you know, and obviously he, he probably didn't know, he didn't, in fact, he didn't know that these were the Amalekites, but he could have blamed somebody. He could have said, well, this isn't my fault. This is, this is, this is so, you know, somebody else's fault. This is, this is Achish fault. And he could have blamed somebody else. And sometimes, you know, when, when we're, when we're in a crisis situation, it's easy to respond by just passing the blame. He could have responded with apathy. He could have just said, man, if this is, man, if this is the way it's going to be, I just quit. If that would have happened, they would have stoned him. He would have, he would have been dead. And, uh, but David could have responded incorrectly. And if he would have responded incorrectly, it would have continued to be a mess. It ended up being a miracle, however, because he responded correctly. So now let's look at verse number six. Let's read it again. This time we'll, we'll finish it with the, uh, with the ending phrase there. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. And if you would read this aloud with me to the end of, to the, end of the verse. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. It ended up being a miracle because he responded correctly. Hold your place there in 1 Samuel. We're going to come back, but I want you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 61 with me. Psalm 61. In Psalm 61, verse number, uh, verses 1 and 2, it says here, Psalm 61, 1 and 2, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life. and his years as many generations, he shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Now, this is a psalm that was written by David after he had become king. But he had learned this lesson at Ziklag. He had learned this lesson from the times that he was in trouble. He had learned this lesson from the times where, he, where his heart was, was overwhelmed. 
one more passage of scripture if, if you'll uh, if you'll turn there and, and we'll uh, uh, hold your place in, in first Samuel there but Psalm 56 and verse number three Psalm 56 and actually uh, before you even get to verse number one uh, in my Bible it has just a little description there and it says to the chief musician upon uh, and brother, uh, let's see, brother Rodney Jordan, can you read that word for me? Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so to the chief musician upon, uh, I don't know how many letters that is, but that is a, uh, Miss Joan, I think that would be like the ultimate Scrabble word, right? They don't think that that word would fit on the board. And, uh, so I'm not going to try to, uh, try to pronounce that. Uh, but it said, make time of David when the Philistines took him in Gath. Now, this is the first time he went to Gath, and he feigned himself to be crazy, and he let the spit, uh, spittle you know, drip down his beard, and he got that crazy look in his eye. And, but if you look at verse number one, he says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And now we'll turn back to 1 Samuel in chapter, chapter 30 there. And so David's response was one that was already predetermined. David's response was, I already know, I already know what I'm going to do. When, it, when in times past, when my heart's been overwhelmed, I've ran to the rock. And when I've been, when what time I've been afraid, I've trusted in God. And I remember facing Goliath. And I remember facing the lion. I remember facing the bear. And I remember facing all these obstacles, all these trials that God has. But when I ran to him, then it was, everything worked out. And so here he is, and he goes and he encourages himself in the Lord, his God. Just a few thoughts uh, concerning David's response here. But when you're overwhelmed or distressed, the best thing you can do a lot of times is simply refrain yourself. If David would have responded immediately, if David would have would have acted in haste, then uh, then we wouldn't we wouldn't know the story as we do today. What you say, what you think, what you do, we have to refrain ourselves until we can get alone with God and spend at least some time with Him. And if this and if it's a trial situation where just something that's overwhelming, like like to this magnitude or something that's just in your heart, your heart is overwhelmed, probably spending uh, for me personally, if I have something, I just go and I just get alone with God for a while. And that might be an hour, might be, you know, a couple hours, but I'd much rather go to God and be able to respond properly than to than to try to do it on my own or try to try to do something, make a make a, a foolish decision. When you're overwhelmed, you're going to think things you shouldn't think. I'm sure David, as he sat there, as these men are talking about stoning him, this isn't Saul now. These are his familiar friends, those that are close to him. I'm sure he thought, man, I just want to, I just want to quit. Forget this. Man, all I, do is, all I do is make mistakes. Here I am. I thought, I don't know what I was thinking when, when I was, how did, this, how did this happen? Why am I here anyway? You ever thought thoughts like that? When you're overwhelmed, why don't man? Why don't I just? Why am I? Why am I doing this? You're gonna be when you're overwhelmed. You're you're gonna think things you shouldn't think. When you're overwhelmed, you're gonna be tempted to say things you shouldn't say. You ever been running late 
and maybe late to work or something, and this is not a true life situation or story, but you've been running late to work, and then your dog gets out, and then it like takes off running, and you're already, you're already running late, and you're like, I'm going to kill that dog. And then you're like trying to refrain yourself, trying to refrain yourself, and then, and then finally you're just like, man, if I see that dog, I'm going to kick that dog. And then your little five-year-old girl walks up, Daddy, why would you say that? And uh, so when you're overwhelmed, you're going you're gonna to be tempted, not, not saying that's ever happened to me, but you may be tempted to say things that you, uh, that you regret. When you're overwhelmed, you're going to be tempted to do things you know you shouldn't do. Probably one of the most refreshing stories that I love to hear a preacher tell is is this coffee story. <laughs> just like, I'm just like I identify, and uh, so. But you're gonna be tempted to throw something out the window. You're gonna be tempted maybe to slam something down or, or, or break you know break something. You're like, why did I do that? Or maybe you hit your hand. You're like, why did I do that? And uh, so you're gonna be tempted. You're gonna be tempted when you're overwhelmed uh, to do something foolish. But God invites us. To cast all our care upon him. And may I tell you from personal experience, I've been where I haven't responded correctly and I've had regret. But there have been times where I actually responded properly and went to God and said, God, I don't know what to do with this. Lord, you got to help me. And then God do exactly what he did for David. Look at verse number seven, if you would, please. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, him like son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. Now, here's an interesting fact. I won't go into all this, but in Numbers, it actually it actually tells when a man uh, uh, when a man is seeking direction from God. And this time, he would actually uh, inquire at the, at the ephod. It was actually a, a, gar, a piece of the garment uh, that would hang. Uh, so it was a, a strap here, a strap here, and would hang down in the front and in the back of the priest's garment. But they were, uh, but they were to go and uh, and and uh, and inquire that way for direction, for direction from God. And sure enough, the uh, the ephod is brought to David, and in verse number eight, and David inquired at the Lord, saying, "Shall I, uh, shall I overtake them?" And he answered him, "Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all." And so he goes to God, and God responds to David. And aren't you, aren't you glad that what time I'm afraid, I can trust in thee? And aren't you, aren't you, aren't you glad that when, when you have a problem and you don't know what to do, God knows exactly what he's doing? And David, in his mind and his heart, man, how did I, how did I get here? How did I get to Ziklag? How did everything is gone? My family's gone. My, our possessions are gone. Everything that belongs to these men, they're all gone. And yet he had a sovereign God. And here's the remarkable thing. The Amalekites were not known as being, you know, gentle, uh, gentle people. They weren't, they were, that's why God, remember God telling Saul to go and kill the Amalekites and go into Amalek and destroy everything. And because they had, they had killed, uh, they had killed God's people in the past. But here in this story, the Amalekites came through and they didn't harm a single child. They didn't harm a single, uh, a single lady. They just took them captives. And that was just the sovereignty of God. And that reminds us, God invites us to cast all our care upon him. And, and that reminds us when we get in the presence of God that he is sovereign and that he does know what's going on. And another thing, as I was thinking about this, you know, work becomes so much more enjoyable when you're working with God. 
rather than when you're trying to do it in the power of your own strength and flesh and your own own mental aptitude and man well i can i can figure this out on my own and sometimes we're tempted to do that except god wants us to work with him and jesus said this he said cast all your cares upon me for uh, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you and then he also said in uh, in the gospels he said come learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and a lot of times i'm convinced that i carry extra burden when I try to do it on my own and I forget to get my, where my strength lies and in God is everlasting strength. And we walk with him. Uh, preacher told a story in chapel in school chapel one day. And he talks about when he was walking through the woods, he was praying and he came across a worm, a earthworm that was crawling across the dirt and boy, it was struggling. And I think at this time, maybe it had gotten on a rock and the rock was all hot. And, uh, and this worm was just really struggling, you know, to get across. And, uh, so then out of, out of mercy, he like picked the worm up, you know, put it, put it in the dirt. And, uh, and then he came across, he continued on his path down in the woods and he came across an inchworm. And this inchworm was hanging from a, uh, from a thread, you know, from, uh, from a limb in the tree. And the wind had kind of picked it up and it was just kind of swinging along. And he's like, man, he's like, Lord, I want to live my life like that inchworm. I want your grace, you know, propelling me. And it's a whole lot better to have God's grace and to walk with God than to try to struggle along uh, by yourself. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And God wants us to, uh, uh, for our faith to be in him. David responded by, going, by running to God, the one who could help. A, situa- a situation is never helpless if we run to God. And we often forget that God wants us by his side. And he wants us right there with him. And uh, that's, where, that's where God had David exactly, exactly where he wanted him. And he knew exactly what he was going to do. But he was teaching David something here. And then in verse, uh, uh, verses uh, number 7 and 8, he goes to God in prayer. God gives him clear guidance and direction. And then in verse, uh, uh, then the Bible says in verse number 9, So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. And David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint they could not go over the brook Uh, And so he goes by faith, pursuing the troop, listen to what God says. He took his 600, 400, stayed with him. 200 were so faint, they they, uh, they stayed behind. And here's the awesome thing about David. David was about as strong and about as courageous a man, you know, that, that you can find in Scripture. And yet when he could have, when he could have yelled at those 200 and said, you bunch of sissies, you bunch of, you know, he could have, he could have let them have it. You know, what are you doing? We're all tired. We're all... He just, he said, okay, you guys can stay here. Do you know that the Bible says in Psalms, and this is just a separate thought, but, um, uh, but here's what it says. Thy gentleness hath made me great. Aren't you glad God has dealt gently with you? I'm so glad he's dealt gently with me when times where, man, I would have, I would have killed me. <laughs> and, uh, but God, but God has dealt gently. And I believe David learned that from God. And here he is, and he deals gently with these men. And uh, I, think of, I think of Joseph, who learned that lesson as well, as Esau said, hey, come travel with us. And he said, I must lead on softly. And uh, he said, I don't want to uh, you know, hurt, hurt the kids, and, and, uh, and, and I want to I be gentle in my approach. And so here they come, and, they, uh, and I hasten here. In verse number 11, uh, the Bible says, and, uh, and they found an Egyptian in the field, 
and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat. And they did make him to drink water. And I'll just tell the story here without, without reading all of it. But this Egyptian was, uh, was in the, uh, oh, the, the Egyptian was in the field. And this Egyptian had been laying there for three days, uh, three days, three nights, no water, no food at all. And, uh, and so these men of David come by. They give him some water. They give him some bread. They give him a cake of figs. They give him some raisins. And, uh, and this man, his spirits revived. And, uh, and they bring him to David, and David said, hey, have you seen anybody, uh, you know, passing through? He said, actually, yes. He said, actually, I'm, I'm an Egyptian, but I was, I was a servant to an Amalekite, and I got sick, you know, three, uh, you know, several days ago, and they just left me here. But wait, they had just gone through, and they had taken all this stuff, and David said, can you tell me where they're at? He said, oh, yeah. He said, but you've got to promise me that you won't, you know, return me where they're, where they're going to kill me. David said, I promise. They go down, and we pick up the story here. And verse number 16, it says, And when they had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight, even into the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and herds, which they drive before those other cattle. And David said, this is David's spoil. And God, God, uh, 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 so David responded correctly. And God said, okay, David, I'm going to give you everything back and more. David comes back and he comes to the 200 men and verse number 21 there and the 400 that went with him. They said, they said, let's, uh, they said, man, these guys don't deserve anything. Just give them their wives and their kids, and then we'll send them on their way. And David said, no, no, no. He said, we're all, we're all splitting this evenly. And those that stayed by the stuff, even though there wasn't too much stuff because everything had been taken away, <laughs> but those that stayed by the stuff, that's, that just, to me, that's amazing how gracious David was. And you know that that precedent was set, and that was one of the first, uh, first things as far as the kings of Israel. If there was a battle and those that had to stay behind, they received the same spoil that those that went into the war, the front lines. And that was a precedent that David set uh, that day. And uh, so those men, the Bible called them wicked men of Belial because they were greedy. And, they, and even these men that went with them, they were brave, but, but, their, but their attitude was, uh, was, was horrible. And then I want you to look at verse number 26. It says, and when David came to, and when David came to Ziklag, he sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends saying, Behold a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. Now, I'm just going to read this just so you understand how much stuff they actually took. Just listen to how many people he sent presents to. To them, uh, to them which were in Bethel, and to them which were in South Ramoth, and to them which were in Jatir, and to them which were in Aror, and to them which were in Sifmoth, and to them which were in Eshtimoa, and to them which were in Rechol, and to them which were in the cities of the uh, Jermalites, and to them which were in the cities of the Kenites, and to them which were in Hormah, and to them which were in uh, Korashan, and to them which were in Athak, and to them which were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were wont to haunt. That is a lot of spoil. 
And that just shows us that that David was uh, David was generous uh, with what, what God had given him. And uh, David's response was the determining factor whether or not Ziklag ended up being a miracle or a mess. And that's and we'll have Ziklags in our life. And what's going to determine whether it's a miracle or a mess is how we respond. And if we respond by going to God and running to God, and instead of responding hastily or, or harshly, if we go and just spend that time with God, then he can take that mess and turn it into a miracle. I want to conclude, uh, if you'll take your Bible and, and, uh, and look at Psalm 61, and I just want to conclude with this, this one psalm here. So Psalm 61 and verse number 1. And this is actually a, a song. Brother Hamilton taught me this when I was in the youth group as a teenager. Uh, but it starts out, Hear my cry, O God, attended to my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. And then it ends in verse number three there. So if you know it, sing along. If not, then uh, then you can listen. Maybe we'll sing it one or two times. But, but here it goes. You ready? Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, that is higher than I. Verse number three, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, that is higher than I. When you find yourself facing a crisis, remember Psalm 61. Father, we sure love you. Thank you so much, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for the lessons that you give us in your word.